What's up? Welcome to the after party. What's up, guys? It's us, the gamers. Hello. Hey, Hello. It's me. Hello. I don't hey. use my character voice, which I have not determined I'm stuck. Yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, please don't. Oh, um, Tracy, no. So we are going to be doing this thing where we chat about the, I don't know, the thing that just happened. We, we debrief. We talk about the the choices that we made. Um, when I shoot someone a weird glance across the table and you're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll talk about it later. This is where we talk about it because I think D&D is not just a super fun game to participate in and listen to, um, but it's fun to actually see how that all happens. And I have some questions myself. So before we get into it, all of us are coming at this from very different places. This is like my fourth time playing D&D ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I started listening to uh, D&D podcasts about six months ago. Uh, my brother has played played it our whole lives and so I, I've known it as like the, the thing that he and his friends do uh, every Friday night but um, I am very new to the game very new to the mechanics uh, new to the whole universe so I have a lot of questions that I think probably some of our listeners who are new to the game will have as well uh, but that's where I'm coming from and besides uh, you know writing a long time reading fantasy books doing theater and things uh, this is my this is my first foray into D&D geekdom Eric Sure. I guess I've only been playing D&D for five, six months now. Uh, I I have a lot less experience than I definitely should, but I read the player's handbook like immediately and just tore through it. Uh, and I, during my first session, I was actually teaching people how to roll up characters and I was just super into it. It's like you're a nerd and also a former teacher. I know, right? I'm really good <laughs> at reading and shit. Um, can we swear at these? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, is this what we're oh, saying? Drinking words? beer. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Brendan, we can use the fuck words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, let's see. I uh, started DMing, I guess, how long ago? When did we start? A month and a half? Two months? Yeah, I started DMing two months ago because I jumped in. Uh, the game that I play casually with Amanda and uh, with uh, her co-host from Spirits, Julia. I don't know. I, I guess I always feel like I should have more experience doing this, but I just love games. I love playing through, and there's... It's like when I first started building these worlds, I'm just like, why would I do anything else? Where has this been? So I'm your enthusiastic and green uh, baby DM. Have you written fantasy or stories before this? Not prose, really. I mean, I was writing poetry for a really, really long time. And writing is just kind of like in my blood and writing people's voices and getting in their heads. Um, and just the improv there is just like the latent theater kid from high school is always there. Uh, I just... I. It's great. I love it so much. Awesome. Brandon. Hi. Hi. What is your experience playing D&D uh, &D or other gaming things? Uh, games. Games, yeah. that's a known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love playing games in general. I have, like, board games nights at my house all the time. All the time. But um, I uh, started playing D&D &D after listening to uh, The Adventure Zone, actually. Uh, I got hooked up with some people who loved the show and wanted to start playing. So I started playing like a year and a half or two years ago or so uh, with this really enthusiastic group who are super fun. Uh, and at this point, including this game, I think I'm involved in four separate campaigns. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, one of them DMing, uh, the other three playing. Um, but, I, yeah, I just love – I love Dungeons & Dragons because it's uh, – it's – 
it's I love the storytelling aspect of it. I like being able to embody uh, four different characters and and uh, really playing to who they are and what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's been a really fun ride. I also when I picked up the player's handbook, I just tore through it and read the whole thing cover to cover. Seriously. I don't think you need to do that, no, but I you did shouldn't. do that. You definitely should. You probably really, shouldn't do that. You definitely do not want to. That's no. v bad. I know. I a lot super about, did too. I know a lot about <laughs> swim speed. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really it glad matters. that it does. Um, but you, Michael, what have has your experience been with D and D so far? So I uh, have been playing D and D or forms of it since probably around 12 or 13 when I started Aww. making RPG games for me and my brother to play. Uh, and playing D&D without knowing it, rolling dice and trying to do stuff without actually having a player's guide or doing it. And then I fell in love with 3.5 and I have been a DM since then. It's one of my favorite things uh, to do. I've played a lot of games as well. I have countless campaigns under my belt in not just fantasy, but in um, uh, sci-fi, modern day, zombie, one in the wild, wild west, Uh and this time I'm playing, and it's actually really nice to see uh, see the perspective of a player and seeing what I think is a, so far a good job. We're only day one here, <laughs> but so far a good job from our DM. Setting up our real low for your praise. I see how that's going. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how this goes. Uh, so three point five was how long? Like how long was that the default game ooh, for? Uh, three point five was the default for a lot of people, even when they had newer ones, because it was probably the most feature complete. Um, in what the, does that mean? As in, <laughs> so let's see, 3.5 was, I don't know the dates, but I know that in around 2010 or so, they started uh, really pushing four. 3.5 had been the... And we're had, on five now. We're on five now. Yeah. So 3.5 had been, or three, and then 3.5 had been the standard for a long time because they just kept adding to it and fixing it. It put a heavy emphasis on the DM, um, the dungeon master, or the game master, uh, depending on how you say it. Some say even referee. Four became a little more, if anything, became a little more video gamey. Uh, it 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 made it a lot easier to get into, but it it really offended some of the uh, older fans and people had stuck with it for a while. Sounds like geek culture. Hey. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and they did a beta for a long time of D and D Next, which I really loved, and it turned into this, which is the fifth edition, mm. which I think is a great marriage between the freedom a DM has to create a world from three point five, but enough player. Not control, but a sense of identity within the system um, that uh, four had. Uh, you can see that in the way that we would have our characters today. They, we were all maybe not necessarily doing things strictly by the book, but the book's okay with that, and that takes a good DM to recognize that. And three point five wouldn't have allowed that. Uh, four would, and five. I think really nails it there. Almost kind of encourages it, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. If you're not if you're following all the rules from the book, you're really, I think, doing D D wrong. But that's a that is a controversial statement. I'm a heavy believer of rule of cool, which I've been pushing onto our DM. What is that? The rule of cool basically means if it's dope, you should just figure out a way to justify it. Got it. I, and it's like it also all ha, all this has to be within reason. It's not like Michael's just going to be like dragons come out of the sky and eat all the people. I mean, he is going to be like that. He does like... do that, but not in game. He just does that like in his regular. But life. That, that is, is fair. That is something that really interests me. Is the moments where where we go awry from uh, the DM's plan. So a couple times, Eric, you kind of had a look on your face, like, <laughs> "What are you guys doing?" So was there was there a moment today where we did something that you that you were not planning? 
There are two. Well, actually, there's one that I definitely wasn't planned, and another one that kind of like complicated the game. Uh, Tracy, Brandon, when you were with Tracy, hey. when you made Tracy just shout out to the two evil dudes, hey, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's a bad impression of Tracy. What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing, guys? Hey, guys no, sorry, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I've got Mickey territory. <laughs> when you got when you said what do you do? Are you sh- literally shouted out to help the bad guys? I did not know what to do because it's like, what would these guys do who are trying to be as sneaky as hell? And not only are you like calling them out, but like you're not even trying to be confrontational. You're just like being helpful. So it's like they don't want to like (laughs) they can't just like punch you in the face, but they can't they can't punch you in the face, but they can't ignore you. Yeah. And that was just like, oh, what do I do next? So you had to like step into the mind of the of the of the characters of the bad guys and figure out what they were going to do, and then balance that against like where the plot has to go. Yes, exactly. Like I needed Fabius to go in his head if he's the mastermind here, obviously. Right. So he's the one to be like, all right, I am a head chef. People feel this way about me. This guy is trying to blow up my spot. What can I do that is nonviolent? I had a moment in my head. I was like, oh, the bartender stabs you in the eye. Right. But I was like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> And it was like, hey, he had to do something else. Thanks for not doing that. <laughs> no problem. And then I mean, so I had him roll an intimidation check and it worked really well. I mean, this is why uh, not everyone can be a DM because you are you're trying to follow a story that you have. Your players, you're, the players in the DM aren't against each other, but they're really trying to mess with the story to fit kind of how they think things should go. And you you have to find a balance. And I think I think even with the second uh, issue, it still worked out. Pretty okay. The second issue I was actually more ha- – I was happier with. I think it all kind of sunk together mm-hmm. that way. Um, a hard part about being a DM is – especially for this one, usually you don't split the party up. But since this was like an intrigue and like a wedding crasher sort of thing, I wanted them all to have their own jobs. So you two were out. Um, Brandon and Amanda took their characters out into the courtyard and let this woman – not only – so first of all, Brandon did a masterful <laughs> job in, in, in taking out this woman – she he he literally did something that I thought was a great move. I also want to say like it. it I don't know if, if the listeners would pick this up, but like uh, Tracy is obviously like very lawfully good, and that move was actually a big big deal for Tracy. Like to actually attack someone that not only did he have a relationship with and who trusted him, but um, to see to attack someone that he knew was uh, trying to basically help do the same thing he was. He just realized that he didn't have enough time to deal with yeah. this. And and was and so was the equation there that you were there to protect someone and you sensed her as a threat to the target of your protection or that she was just like in the way of you doing something else? Like like what was the the calculus in Tracy's head? I think the calculus was that he he put two and two together at this point and realized that something was about to go down with the frogs and uh, the bartender and uh, Mario Batali. And... <laughs> <laughs> you I'm so, so sorry. You solved my restaurant club. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think I think we did the listeners a great disservice by not mentioning uh, whether or not Charlene was wearing orange Crocs. <laughs> she was not, but I like to think wow. that Fabius was wearing orange Crocs. Was she wearing orange yeah. clogs? Yes, sure. Yes, yes. Um, here's the thing, though, is that like that was great, and you role played that great, and I think that was a very smart move to get Charlene out of the way. The thing was, is that Tracy is so bad at communicating that you guys were just like futzing around in the courtyard that I had to count 
this what I would think were the seconds, the in-game seconds that it took you until you actually moved back into the hall. And that was equal to when I keep saying I'm aligning the time streams, that's like equal to um you uh to Michael and Johnny B not making a good perception check. So neither people were there to like immediately hop on everything that was about to pop off. Yeah, because you look really distressed when I was just trying my very best to to understand, to scry what the word black bread could possibly mean. <laughs> it was hilarious because uh for Eric and myself, since we weren't I mean Eric's the DM and I wasn't in that scene, we were basically watching you guys do this and freaking out because it's it's when you watch a movie and you know what's happening in the other room, but yeah. the people there don't know, and we're just like, "Oh no, stop it, go over there." Ah. On, on that, like, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but like, I I I think you had seen something move on the shelves, so I assumed when I said black bread that you would understand that something was afoot. And it just did not take. No, it did and not I take. And I was like, <laughs> and I, like trying so hard to like, this is what's happening without saying it out loud. Yeah, and obviously as a as a player, I I was here at the table when I saw you get almost poisoned. You know, it's so like I knew that there was mm-hmm. like poisonous shit happening on the black bread shelf. Right. Uh, but as a... <laughs> as a, a really, that's my emo album. That's my <laughs> <laughs> poisonous thing on the black bread shelf. For real though, like whenever, you, whenever I was saying black bread, I was imagining just yelling, black briar, black briar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But but Inara didn't know that. And, you know, she was looking in the dark and seeing some kind of like shifty shit. But like, I, I don't think that she would have put that together. Yeah, and I so love that. So that was the moment where I, I was sitting here like, oh, God, like, hey, I think it's bad tape to just be confused, you know? So like <laughs> I was trying my best to to vocalize what my character would probably be like sitting there frozen thinking. Um, but also, you know, I, I didn't want to falsely, you know, know something that my character wouldn't know. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I think it made for... For an exciting turn of events, but uh, Eric, what would have happened if we were if we were uh, going into the banquet hall in time? I think it's a combination of two things. One, you would have caught you two might have caught them before they got all the way to the dais, and then you, Johnny B, and Michael, might have caught them before they got so close to the dais to be in frog throwing range. Uh, I also just for this for all the monster heads out there, uh, those frogs were grungs. They come from Volo's Guide to Monsters. They are super poisonous, and they have poisonous skin, much like uh, exotic frogs, and they are very brightly colored. But, like, obviously no one was able to do an arcana or a nature check to identify these monsters. Yeah, we didn't have time. So I had to call them, like, these frog things. So so hopefully when you hear frogs, if you want to do some research, they're grungs. Now, in my head, they were just three Kermits. Like, <laughs> three full Kermits, you three say? Three full Kermits. Wow. Well, then they would have done Rainbow Connection together. <laughs> That's true, yeah. This is the, hold on. Someday we'll find it. No. The Rainbow <laughs> Connection. Oh, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. And grungs. And grungs. Beautiful. That sounds great. Uh, I really want to know more about Tracy's button because Tracy is a barbarian and they have a thing called barbarian rage where basically they turn, they get really heightened stats and can kick butt really well. And I think that what you're doing with Tracy is really interesting. So Tracy has a button that turns on rage. And that's what Inara. It's a switch, but yeah. And that's what Inara karate chopped. Yes. So what, like what's going on there? Um, Aren't you putting yourself at a disadvantage by not being able to turn on rage that a barbarian – it's like the barbarian thing. Yeah. I I mean definitely. In character, uh, this is what helped me actually decide to be a barbarian is that – I don't know if if, if you haven't – listeners, if you haven't listened to the backstory, uh, you know, this is all included in there. But uh, basically the – 
woman that created me, uh, I was in service to this woman and she didn't want me to be able to turn on my rage at any at my own choosing. She wanted to be able to control when I would uh, be able to go into that rage. Um, so I physically cannot reach the switch that turns me into the rage. Uh, but I feel indebted to uh, Johnny and I trust Johnny and now Inara with my uh, rage ability. And I, uh, I, you know, just like discovering who kind of uh, Tracy is, it's, it's not that he really likes going into this rage. He kind of sees it as a tool and a necessary evil. Uh, as I described in the episode, he, his, uh, his eyes turn off, like the lights between his eyes turn off, and he actually doesn't remember what happens during his rage. Uh, so he doesn't actually like to go into this rage, uh, but he knows it's necessary at some times. And listeners, that's episode zero. So if you haven't, uh, you haven't found that, just scroll back in our uh, podcast feed and you'll see uh, kind of background episodes before episode one that you can learn a little bit more about the world and about our characters. And maybe about why the heck Johnny loves the light so much. <sighs> oh, no, man. I like that to be a secret. <laughs> like, it's no, just... I'm going to turn flowers into torches. I want to know more about spells. So when when Michael or I cast a spell, um, we have some parameters about what it can and can't do. But Eric, how do you decide like what kind of effect it has on the game? Sure. 5e is really interesting because 4 is like everyone was kind of a magic user. It's like you had the power, the magic of punching if you were a fighter. And like the magic of rage if you were a barbarian. Uh, but 5e is kind of like given some people like a little bit of magic spice. And then there are some magic users. So Yes, like I have a cantrip. Like I don't have actual spells. I'm just allowed as a, as a you know, rogue or something to have a wizard cantrip. Right. So rogue is like the can least you, magical though. Can you explain what a cantrip is too? Because yeah. like that always confused me when I first started. Sure. So like magic in, in 5e is really interesting. You can use spell slots to you hire magic and then you like expend those slots. It's like you only have like a certain capacity for magic when you're off on one certain adventure. It's like if you do a level one spell, you you use a level one spell slot. You have a level two spell slot, you use a level two spell. And they aggregate, right? So as you level up, you get more and more capacity. Mm-hmm. And then when you have cantrips, you can just kind of fire them off whenever you want, which is like your innate magical ability. What's wonderful about all this is you say all that, but there's exceptions to literally everything he just said. Oh, yeah. And one of the best exceptions is the Warlock, specifically a um, a Pact of the Tome, as my character is. The Tome allows me to have access to more cantrips, uh, which means at any point I can just, boom, do it. Uh, Spells can be really complicated because there's there's different components. So verbal, a a verbal... A like concentration, like you need sometimes the materials, you sometimes have to say something. It could take time, it could be instant. Sometimes you need like random things. It's super complicated. The the more the simpler you can get a spell to to work in a game, uh, the better. And it it's it's easier to play and it's easier to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um you may find if you know things like light or prestidigitation. Prestidigitation. Let's say it all at the same time. One, two, three. Prestidigitation. I'm never going to get it right the first time. Uh, That's the main thing. (laughs) Oh, whoa, whoa. You'll notice that'll be a little different (laughs) than the original. Supercalifragilistic. Prestidigitation. That's very good. If you say it loud enough, the flames will go again. (laughs) For me, it's just press the digitation. 
suppress the digitation. Yeah, I have no idea. Just, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Character growth over the course of the year. It's fine. <laughs> just don't 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 get too angry, uh, fellow D and D nerds, at the way the magic works. I just think that this is a little more. Not that it's forgiving, but it allows for more fun. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the the whole concept of rule of cool that the mage hand is able to do two actions, like Amanda did, or the fact that light that there were multiple flowers that were lit up or that Johnny's able to do many things, uh, even Preston Digitation having much nice. multiple effects more than the three, I think, at one point. But then again, we literally, we changed that, right? Like when yeah. you cast the d Dazzling Light, uh, dancing light. When you cast Dan, no, the other. When you cast the, the one that blinded everybody. Oh, color spray. When you did color spray, I'm like, there is no way you are still entertaining this owl bear. Right. Like you and have so to the... be concentrating because you are expending a spell slot. So it's like it all kind of balances out because it has to make sense. Yeah, I didn't mention it, it, uh, in the game, but color spray is a level one illusion, while dancing light uh, is a cantrip at will. Uh, you could have it uh, just still going, but it makes more sense that even like a cantrip that you can do with your eyes closed goes away when you're actually focusing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, or again, like my cantrip did a little extra, so so you know yours kind of goes away. Like that's a decision Eric will make to kind of like balance out how the scene. And is I going. think it's I, it's more than fair it's it's as long as because otherwise any magic user becomes very overpowered in any of these games oh, yeah. way beyond any other physical uh, user it does make up for the fact that low health and low armor class for any magic user though i also think that like when we're thinking about this is this is dnd on tape not dnd in person and that's it's very important to keep the game going and keep things interesting yeah. so i think adapting magic to the uh, audio realm is actually really hard and really important thing to do. You'll notice you'll not have heard the math that had to be done for color spray, a specifically complicated <laughs> Yeah, spell. I took a bathroom break, like checked my cell phone and came back and we were still doing math. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we did math for a bit. It involves rolling 6D10s plus a whole other stuff and it was just lots of math, but even that wasn't too bad. Um, no. It could get much, much worse with sure. magic. Uh, I'd also like to point out for D&D nerds out there, we are using some stuff from Unearthed Arcana uh, because it's coming out kind of when we're starting this campaign and there's a lot of cool, cool shit. Uh, Brandon, as you noticed, is a Warforged, which came out of UA and Michael's Warlock Pact person is, what is that? The Plane of the so, Positive? So, or what did you call that? <laughs> the Undying Light, uh, a basically... Instead of the typical, there are positive uh, forces a warlock can make a connection with to gain its power, but um, not very often. And this one specifically isn't even a, a being. It's just positive energy, which could also explain, I think, in something that we'll have to work on in backstory, why um, Tracy is, 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 is like feeling more positive as part of the energy that brought him and restored him. I think that's part of it. I mean, this is also in in the backstory episode uh, zeros that um, listeners can go check out again. But uh, I I do think it's part of it. But I I think Tracy, um, if you guys have listened to the backstory, Tracy was kind of ousted by his town, and he feels almost like he's trying to make up for the fact that he was trying to do so much good in the town and was utterly rejected by all the townsfolk, and so he's trying to like he's overcompensating. For for the goodness that he failed at doing. Um, no, and I, I love uh, the Undying Light Pact. Um, and I really love everything that's been coming out from UA. Uh, the fact that like they made ranger, Rangers a lot better. Uh, I really like just all of the content they're throwing at people. And of course, like I have read these extensively. I hear some of you like tensing up. I know, I know I'm not running a tournament. This is not play tested. 
Um, but I really don't think any of these are overpowered. I think it just, this is the flavor. And like cantrips are not that strong. You have a bajillion cantrips and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You're as a DM, you're never going to let someone just cantrip their way through like a big event. Most cantrips, most interesting cantrips, I'd say have a lot more to do with flavor or out of combat stuff. You still have your Eldritch blasts and your shillelaghs, but Things like light and prestidigitation and dancing lights, they're just fun. It's just a fun time. And uh, uh, to better explain, Unearth Arcana is what uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast are releasing after to give more to Dungeon Master monster manuals and uh, the player's guides because they can only release a book once and you can't really add to that. The The problem with... Are they a, like, like addenda? It's basically like addenda. Yeah. It's just that... None of That's its play tested. Of Ooh, hey. gross. I did not know that. Latinate. Latinate. The the problem is none of this can none of this can really be play tested, and the idea that you only choose something because it's overpowered, it's silly. Like if if that's how you're going to play, then you're not playing to have fun. I know the warlock can be overpowered, but I don't think I'm. I we'll see if I play him. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it, that's in the right spirit of play if yeah. you're if you're focusing on that. I mean, I play a ranger that's uh, uh, from the Unearth Arcana, a different game, and it's it is a little overpowered. But like, I play him well, and I don't, I don't, I, I'm careful in how my decisions. It's like when you're first starting to cook your own food, and you just add all of the sugar, right, or like all of yeah. the salt to the food that you're making. Like that's fun for a minute, but then you realize that a balanced thing is better. Yeah. And so, having a super powerful character that can blast or magic your way out of any situation is not fun. Like it can be fun for you in that you like dominate it for a second, but for the rest of your party, for the good of the campaign, you know that's not like sustainable. That being said, um, Johnny B. Goodlight is a level three uh, warlock. While the other two characters are level two, so the, so Johnny does have a few more spells, a few more powers, and specifically invocations, which is a warlock thing that uh, make him probably a little more suited. But uh, so far, it definitely hasn't affected gameplay. You showing, gameplay. Off? You showing yeah. off, bro? No, more like explaining why uh, Johnny can do so much. And I think it makes sense too, because like my character Inara is like a like a fledgling. Uh, you know, pickpocket assassin rogue. Like, she's pretty new to the world and learning her powers. So, I mean, she doesn't know much. And I think that's why she is drawn to stay with um, with Johnny and with Tracy uh, because, like, you guys know things and it's interesting. Uh, so, it, I mean, it makes sense that someone in the party should know what they're doing yeah. and, it, you know, isn't a robot. Yeah, and I've been turned off for uh, countless years. Beep so boop. I was not able to level up and You're learn rusty. things. Beep boop. I'm rusty. Beep boop. I also want to say don't beat boo. <laughs> I'm also excited for the other stuff for UA, and I don't want to leave Amanda out of it just because like Amanda wanted to play. Actually, no. Well, we're using oh, I, here's the thing. So we're using uh, something from Swords Coast Adventures Guide for Amanda's background. She uh, for faction. So there's just so much stuff out there in the D and D universe. So if something doesn't really make sense to you. Uh, I mean, we have the books behind it, but we're just trying to have a good time. I just really want to see what happens when you guys have to confront guns. The gunslinger is something that I love so much. And basically, it's like a fantasy gun. It's like Whoa. he's crafted it like out of sort of like there's magic behind it. And there's like discovering how gunpowder works. Yeah. Kind of like what Tracy's, how he's built. Yeah. Like in a very sort right, of. Right. Kind of not steampunk, even, like fantasy steampunk. And like yeah. the other side of steampunk that like yeah. there's a lot of wood, which yeah. is like super dangerous. Yeah. Instead of using the steam, they use the magic to hold it all together. I guess. Cool. And I want to see like what happens when an assassin goes up against someone with a gun. Yeah. Um, me too. And I, I think like any concern that, that 
any of the any any like diehards like me would have. I, I would love to. I, I think ask it like ask us uh, in any of our social medias. And we'd love to answer it even in one of these um, after parties or just on the social media because, you know, I, I've already gone in a couple uh, discussions with these guys about certain ways we're doing rules. But I think that's part of the fun, uh, you know, balancing what is cool, what is fun and makes sense. Uh, don't worry, you'll have an advocate for rules, but also I just think that too many rules just doesn't make it fun. And that's also why I'm excited about the direction that we're taking this in. Um, like I said earlier, my brother has played D&D for, you know, our whole lives growing up pretty much. And we had much, you know, similar friends. But I never knew what the game was about. And, like, they never took the time to explain it to me because when they were together, they were playing it. Uh, and, you know, seeing it online, seeing the forums, like, there is no easy point of entry. No. You know, besides no. just, like, going to that corner of the bookstore, opening the player's manual, being like, I guess I'll just read this now. But, like, I didn't even know that existed until I started playing. So the fact that we... We can like be here, talk through our decisions, like answer your questions, um, you know, have listener Q&A um, in after parties, you know, with our various episodes. Like that's what we're here to do. This game is amazing. I think it is so like um, it's so malleable and you're really able for like you and your group of friends, whatever you're interested in, like you can take this gigantic universe and like tailor a path through it that makes sense to you. Um, so hopefully we're here to, you know, help folks who don't have that, you know, cool friend who has a bunch of time in their life to like start a D&D campaign with you IRL you know we we can be that friend and shout out to uh, Connor for being my creative consultant my bro I've been Facebook messaging Amanda's brother just like randomly out of nowhere I'm just like listen to all this lore I wrote (laughs) so thank you Connor and he owns an actual shillelagh so I was really excited when we walked in today (laughs) we're we're Irish and then one of our uh, one of our uncles got him a shillelagh which is like a gigantic like club slash walking stick uh, for like his 14th birthday or something and it's always been a funny thing so um, I'm happy that the shillelagh makes its way into our game yes shout out to the for making sure that Michael did not hit a beautiful man in the face with a magical... You know, I, His perfect Grecian features were, know, like, set up to be clubbed. It's, 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 it's amazing to me as someone who always, as a DM, I have, I've never seen so many ones, as in, like, I roll <laughs> so badly as a dungeon oh, master. Oh, we should talk about this. We legit did not fake those rolls. Those like, rolls we got God. three were nat 20s real. in one episode. So a nat 20, you have so a 20-sided dice as part of your, your dice set and when it itself rolls to be a 20 with none of the like additions from your various you know uh, mm-hmm. modifiers that's a nat 20 natural 20 and when you uh, roll a 1 as I did on I think my stealth check or something yeah. uh, that is a crit fail meaning that even so like you could as getting a 20 means the best possible outcome happens a 1 being the worst possible outcome happens you could roll a 19 Let's make it eighteen. You can roll because it's complicated. Nineteen, <laughs> you can get a crit and twenty and nineteen. You can roll an eighteen, but plus five, and that's over twenty. But that's still not the best possible thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. They're like the ends of the bell curve, right? One yeah, and twenty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had in in a campaign once uh, so, someone prayed to their a cleric prayed to their god. Sorry, a paladin pl- prayed to their god, rolled a twenty, and the god had a like uh, an ethereal dragon fly through the battleground, <laughs> healing all allies and damaging all the enemies. Yeah. Because um, that's just what happened. Uh, yeah. What a good dragon. Like what a very cool dragon. <laughs> yeah, right? That was a very neat dragon. Well, it, he, basically they were all going to wipe all the all the player characters were going to die if uh, the dragon didn't show up. So, so he like rolled a very timely... Yeah. He rolled a very timely D20. <laughs> yeah, what I love about the D20 is... Uh, and some people see that as the uh, as a flaw in Dungeons and Dragons, just as an RPG. 
Um, but I love how much is based on the D20, that there's so much variance, and that since everything uses it, you're, you might roll a natural 20 on, like, a basic sort of check. Like, what you guys did on your nature check, on the yeah. owl bear, and it's like, I wanted to tell you everything that I had written, and, like, extra. It's like, Nessie is its middle name also. <laughs> it is Nessie, Nessie, Nesserson. Hold up, that's his real name? Because yeah, I'm real excited about yeah, that. Yeah, Nessie, Nessie, Nesserson. That's, that's canon. That's everything so we say, everything we say in the after party is canon. Oh, for sure. Uh, so it's so it's funny that like you can expend, and I'm making big quotes for all my math nerds out there. You can expend your luck rolling a twenty on a simple check, but it's like you guys rolled really poorly when shit started to pop off. Uh, so it's like. It that's, really that's the way it works. Yeah. yeah, that's how it goes. But I love when dice rolls go bad because, again, oh. like not mm. knowing this game at all from the outside, I was like, oh, so you just like sit around a table and order pizza and then just talk through a game, which which to me sounded so uh, uh, intimidating because like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, the really pizza, want, I really want the pizza. The pizza is pizza. very important. Okay, we're going to get pizza post after party. That, <laughs> that's, our, that's our hotel lobby is, is actually the pizza. Yeah. Um, uh, but the... The fact that there are uh, that there are constraints that you like hit the walls sometimes, mm-hmm. you know that that not every single thing is just in your imagination. That is at least for me what made this game like fun from the very beginning is that it wasn't just all on me to like make decisions. Yeah, well, it's great because uh, the I mean I personally see D and D as. Uh, a DM telling a story with his characters. Some will argue that it's the characters versus the DM. I think those people could not be more than wrong. Uh, more wrong. Strong me. opinion, Fight Michael Fisher. Fight with Michael Fichet on Twitter, today. at Join the Party Pod. Uh, I'm with at you. Michael Fisher is the best. Don't do that. Uh, but <laughs> Real Twitter account, real oh Twitter. God. Real Twitter. Um, but that telling a story with your characters and you so the dm has an idea of what they want to do the characters the players have an idea of what they want from their characters and then that dice that bit of chaos that happens in real world that happens everywhere just throws a wrench into it i think it's just it's it's sublime it's wonderful i think I'm, it's it's the mark of a good dm when you when you roll a nat 20 or a, or a crit fail one that uh, like if you roll a crit fail one, it's not that the DM is like, all right, you trip over a rock and hit a spike and now you take 30 damage. <laughs> like I think the mark of a good DM is like, oh, all right, so you crit failed, but you do this thing, but that thing also sets up something interesting. It, it might yeah. be an impediment, but like it's super cool. And same thing with the nat 20. It's not like you know, an asteroid falls on this bad guy and now the bad guy's dead. It's yeah. It's something cool and interesting that – that puts the plot forward yeah you adapt in universe and like you know improv or something it's never you never like end the action and make things harder for people with your addition to the story it's it's never no it's always no but my favorite uh example of crit one it was just one that someone threw out just like as an example like it was very i don't know if it was in an actual handbook or someone was like writing a basic guide for dms it's like when you roll a crit one make sure you do something that's like funny but also has consequences like you fail you swipe your sword so hard that it cuts the buckle off your belt and now your <laughs> player is has his pants down <laughs> so it's like i'm like that's just like the dumbest like uh after school special version of that but that's so good guarantee we're gonna see that in the campaign later <laughs> i would yeah, I love like, it like when when i realized that none of the clothing there would fit in Ara because there aren't probably elf servers in this mm. universe like i i had my loose pants set up for you like you know, just yeah. like just oh, as absolutely. a as a as a like either you know comedic or like plot potential where like that you know that could be something that like comes into effect to like handicap me later you rolled your decks too high for me to I make did. Trip over your pants, like you were just like you like had them high. 
hiked these. I like to imagine you had them hiked up in one hand and you were yeah. holding the tray in the other and just like juking around people at this <laughs> yeah. party. Yeah. Just like real life, Amanda. That's yeah. how I do. Exactly. So thank you so much for listening, not only to our first episode, but to our first after party. Uh, like we said, the after party continues all the time uh, online. So we are at Join the Party Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Um, you can email us at jointhepartypod at gmail.com or join the party podcast, whatever you feel like. We have both. Um, and please <laughs> send us your anecdotes. Send us, you know, your stories from your party. There's nothing we love more than hearing people's like jokes and failures and stuff from their own D&D games. Um, ask us questions and we will save them for the next after party. Blop, 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 Thanks blop, for blop. listening, guys. Thank you. I like turtles. May the undying light stay with you. Oh, this is Johnny B. Johnny <laughs> 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 We'll see you in two weeks. 